0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Can I invite a scripture reader to come forward to read today's passage for us? Thank you, Sister Ruth. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3. Verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is the Word of God. Today's passage, a very good morning to everyone. Good morning. It's always a joy and privilege to be with God's people, so it'd be great just look around, smile at each other, and um, invite them to pick up a physical Bible. If they have not got one, it's all around the benches. Today's passage, there are only three verses on page. So if you have your physical Bible open, it will be great. All right, I'm going to invite us to first ask God to help us as we uh, turn to His Word and hear from Him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in your presence as we sing The last song, we're reminded that we brought nothing to you, but Christ brought the offering for us. So, Father, as we come with nothing but our sins, you know, Christ has brought everything to pay for them. So, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us and speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, when I was young, I was very intrigued by this book series called, Where is Wally? Have you ever played that book before? Where's Wally? You have got these big pictures, Where is there's a beach, whether it's a town, where um, where is a park, anywhere, there's plenty of stuff there, and you're supposed to find this little man called Wally. Now, last Monday night, Linda and myself, we took a stroll down to Orchard Road to look at the Christmas lights i've not done that for years i think since coming back to singapore i've only been there once because our aussie friends came we tried to showcase singapore a little bit but that's about it Uh, but on monday we decided to have a stroll down to look at the lights um and we did a stroll against the traffic from plaza Singh, supposedly to be towards tangling more but uh, we didn't finish it and our journey as we go on we decide to have our own adventure of where is Christmas? And I've got to tell you, it's pretty hard to find. Uh, amidst all the, all the noise and music, it's really hard to find the real Christmas. Yes, we, we enjoy the lights, we enjoy the deco, a mix bag of music, sometimes the lyrics clash, one after the other. We even managed to slip into a mall to buy some grapes. But it's hard to find the real message of Christmas. Perhaps this could be a scavenger hunt that you can ask your family the next time you head down to the city during Christmas before it's over to say, let's do a search on where is Christmas and look for the Christ for Christmas. Well, near the end of our Orchard Road stroll, we finally managed to find this one quote uh, in one of the iconic buildings. It's from Jeremiah 17 verse 7. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And we happily took... The photo, if you do scavenger hunt, that's what you do, right? You take a photo and you finish your, your, your game. And well, strictly speaking, it's not a Christmas messianic passage, but at least there is something there. Now, dear friends, how easy it is for Christmas message to be lost behind the dazzling lights and decos and the last minute shopping, the bustling crowds, the tired kids, the feel-good movies, the food, the parties. And even when the message is there, we may walk just too quickly to pause and to realize what Christmas is really about. So this morning, as we look at our Christmas passage from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, I would like to invite all of us to just pause for a while as we unpack this passage. Because I want to bring to us three reasons why Christmas is so priceless. If you are someone who likes to take notes, I'm going to give you the three pit stops that we're going to stop over in these three passages. The first pit stop will be on God's revelation, where God now speaks to His Son. The second pit stop we'll have is Christ's incarnation. I'll explain the word later to us. It's about God entering our world and our darkness. And thirdly, it's our salvation because Christ saves us from our sins. So these are the three stop on the three verses that we have. Now, as we step into Hebrews, because we haven't touched the book for a while, I want to give us a bit of a context of the book of Hebrews. It's written to Christians. We're not very sure who exactly, but most likely Jews who are familiar with the Old Testament. They were facing persecution and they were tempted to give up believing in Jesus and return back to their former life. And the author of the book wants to remind his readers and so to us that actually Christ, the Christ of Christmas, has fulfilled everything God has promised and everything is now better for us. There's no other place to turn to that will be better because God now speaks to us through His Son. God comes to us fully human and fully divine, and God comes to save us. So the first thing as we step into the first verse of the first chapter of Hebrews, this is what it says. Look at it with me. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In the past, that is referring to before Christmas, the first Christmas. In the past, before the first Christmas, God spoke to humans through his messengers. They are called the prophets. Now the question is, why does God want to speak to humans? What has he got to tell us? Well, God wants to help us to know him and to know ourselves and to deal with our sin and our death problems. So when the prophets spoke to us, he, they gave us warnings and they gave us the temporary solution to sin, they gave us the law and this very elaborate sacrificial system so that we can relate to God. But all this while as they are speaking to God's people, they are all pointing to a permanent solution that is to come. In the past, God spoke to His servants like Moses, David, Elijah. Isaiah, we are popular with Isaiah during Christmas with Micah. Even once threw a donkey because one of the prophets went rook. Now, besides speaking to their generation, they really are pointing everyone to that one anointed one from God who is to come. So I want to give you a few examples of what the prophets said. Now, Moses. Moses Uh, in his later years, in speaking about that perfect lawgiver who is to come, he said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Deuteronomy. Now, King David, when speaking about the coming, Christ, his uh, future descendant, he said in Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, now sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And of course, Isaiah prophesied extensively about the future Christ, including the passage we read together. You still remember the chapter, Isaiah 9? And this is what we said just now together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Even John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets, he said this, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And so the Old Testament prophets proclaim and point to the one who is to come, the Son of of God. He is that solution to the self-destructing time bomb that called sin that's on all of us hanging on our neck. He's the vindicator of the sufferers that when we pray for uh, those who are suffering during wars, he is the vindicator of them. He's the judge of our world and the hidden worlds in our own hearts. He's the one who will judge these worlds. He's the king who will rule perfectly and bring eternal peace between God and and human beings. So here it is, in this passage in verse 1, it tells us, in the past, well, we have the prophets, they lived, they died, but in the Son, He lived and died, and He lived again. In the past, we have prophets who spoke of forgiveness and repentance, but in the Son, He is the one who forgives, but we repent. In the past, the prophets spoke about the Word of God, but in the Son, He is the very Word of God. Of God. Now, He is not only the messenger but the very word. Now, what does it mean that the Son is the word of God? Well, we need to understand this that word really has power. Parents, when we raise our voice at kids when they're young, we, we have power there. When the authority speaks within his or her jurisdiction, the word carries power. Just imagine me. Imagine um, The words of a president, a prime minister of a country. Imagine the words of the CEO of companies, perhaps, that some of us work in. Imagine the principal of the school that you are attending. What he or she declares within his or her jurisdiction carries power and things happen. If he or she declares tomorrow is school holiday, you just sleep and wake up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock up to you because that happens. If your boss declares there is going to be promotion, there's going to be retrenchment, there's going to be a new project, it happens. I remember almost two decades ago when I first started work, I was in this international bank. And at the point, the second in charge of this whole international bank from London came in and toured around all the countries. He was giving his speech about the visions of the bank. And then he said this, and I want to have on my dashboard, computer, dashboard, uh, all the statistics and numbers of every day to see what the countries are doing well, what the numbers, and you know at that time, all of us know there's no such system, but because he said that, the next week, countless of us from all the other countries start to wake up at 8am and go in and like minions typing all the numbers and creating it and sending to other minions who are going to make everything and look at minimum and this one pager that he can look up when he grabs his coffee and switch on his computer. But that's power. And in the meantime, you've got another God of Minions who are going to create a system so that the rest of us don't have to go in so early. But you see the power of a man in his jurisdiction carries power. And the Bible tells us, the first chapter of the Bible, God says, when, when the Bible says, when God created the world, He created by speaking. When He said, let there be, the sun appear, the moons appear, the stars appear. When He says, let there be light, there is light. When He says, animals. There are animals, and we say humans, we came into being. His word carries power. But as we look at today's passage, what the author gives is to pull back the curtain of the universe and tells us what is behind it. It says, in this last day, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made The universe. It's a glimpse of how this universe came into being, that the very fact that God is the one who appointed His Son, heir of all things, and this Son of God is the agent that created this universe and all of us. The Son is the very word God spoke at creation. Now, the Gospel of John tried to explain this clearly for us, and I'm going to do this exercise with you. I need your help. Okay, we're going to be at John 1. I'm going to read the first five verses. Wherever I say the word, you replace it with the son. Okay, can you help me with that? So I put that in the next slide. I'm going to read the passage. And then wherever there's a word, you look at it as the son. And you will know what is the power of Jesus when he speaks when he comes to us. So let me read this for us. In the beginning was the word, when the first Christmas arrived, the days of the prophets ended, and the new dawn of the sun arrived because he is the very Word of God, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the creator of this universe. There's no longer progressive revelation given by prophets like, like the jigsaw puzzles, you know, when I was in camp, I was so amused and amazed at how we fix all these puzzles there together. But that's not going to be how it's given like Old Testament, because when the sun comes, it's not just the, the picture, as you saw puzzle, the reality comes to life. The sun came, the creator of the universe came. So he is God's final revelation from the first Christmas on, that he fulfills God's promise. Now dear friends, Christmas uh, is so significant that we must not be distracted by all the fancy lights and parties and presents and miss the message. Enjoy it, have fun, but don't miss the message. Because because Christmas is is the announcement that Christ, the divine Son of God, has come to us in human body. So on Christmas, God entered into our darkness as fully God and fully human to reach out to us because we cannot reach out to him so as we move on the passage we start to see christ's incarnation when christ came fully human and fully divine well i need to explain uh, the word incarnation to us because it's a big word and really only applies to jesus christ and no one else now incarnation refers to the divine son of god that he was conceived in the womb of Virgin Mary. He was born as a human, yet he continued to be fully God. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is the literal declaration that God has now come to be with us, 100% human, while retaining his full divinity. So that is first Christmas. God did not simply look at us from the heavenly throne, but he entered into our world on that... Christmas so that we can know Him and respond to Him. Jesus came as a fully um, born human. He he gets hungry like us. He gets tired. He can cry. He can laugh. He can doze off. He came to take on our humanity to reach out to us. I remember uh, going to YMCA a long time ago. uh, When I had time, I actually went there for one, one year to learn sign language. And I can't sign anymore. But when I was there, I had classmates who were also learning sign language. And uh, I have classmates who are there just for the interest. I have classmates who were very noble. They went there because they want to do community work, and they want to know the language. Their classmates were parents of children who can't speak and can't hear. They didn't come to learn sign language just to communicate but in the communication to tell them that I love you. That the parents say to the kids that I love you. That those who are volunteering when they are with the people, they say, I care and I want to communicate with you. When God came in flesh, He came to proclaim His message, but He also came to tell us that He loves you, He loves me. That is Christmas. Christmas is all about love. Christmas really is about God's love for you and for me. It reveals this love when Jesus came fully human to face suffering and temptation just like us. Hebrews 2, if you have time to look at it later on, it tells us, the author tells us because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. Do we feel alone when we are facing trials, difficulties, and temptation. Do you feel very alone when you are, you're just in your box of darkness? Christmas tells us no longer There's someone who is like the Word, who is with you. Jesus knows what it feels like to be tempted and to suffer. And in all the miracles that Jesus did, go and check it out in the Bible, there was not a single one that he did to make himself comfortable. Not one. All his miracles was to show his compassion and love for us and to proclaim and reveal God to us. Now there's a passage in John 11 where Jesus, his good friend, died Lazarus. And that's where the Bible's shortest verse came in. You know what's the verse? It says, Jesus wept. Surely he knew the next moment he's going to raise Lazarus up. What's up? What's the tears for? Because he's fully human. Because he's like us. He loves, he has compassion, he has empathy, he has humanity. He was heartbroken when he saw those that he loved, that they are heartbroken. Christmas reveals God's love to us when Jesus was born fully human. Now at the same time, the passage also tells us in verse 3 that, God, that Jesus is fully God. This is what it says in verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, reveals God's glory and character as he walks the earth and he shows glimpses of heaven. As Jesus healed the sick, the mute, the blind, the deaf, the lepers, the paralyzed, he cast out demons, he fed thousands, he claimed the raging storm, he raised the dead because he is God. And his words have authority in his realms. So brothers and sisters, we all have a mouth and we can make all kinds of claims. Some of us can make big claims, small claims, but we can claim anything. But it doesn't mean what we claim as effect unless we have power. Now I used to go to Lim Chukang Cemetery with my family to visit the tombstone of my grandfather and then my parents grandmother will bring me to all the other tombstone that I have no idea because they, they were dead before I was even born. Can you imagine me standing at Lim Chukang with all these nice you know, marbles cliques, and say, everyone get up! What do you think would happen? Only thing that only sound I hear are probably the disturbed birds that were sleeping peacefully in the cemetery being shouted at. what's up, man? You so nothing's gonna happen in my voice, but Jesus' voice is different. His words as authority in the physical, spiritual, natural realms carries the authority, and what he says comes. And verse 3 says, All things are sustained by His powerful words. So the words of Jesus sustain our world. Our earth is spinning right now only because Jesus says so. And He will stop if He ever says stop. Because all things swirls in the palm of His hand. Verse 3 also says, the sun is the radius of God's glory and the exact representation, representation of His being. Now, question time. Some of us may... Hear this I, I hear this when i was younger i don't know if this is still the same people will say uh if god appears in front of me and say a few words I'll, I'll believe in your god it used to be quite common response for christians i don't know if it happens but it's a strange way of saying i mean in the past i didn't know how to answer it but to me it, it is pretty strange because we don't say but if the president comes, if the CEO flies over and knocks at my table and asks me to do some work, well, maybe I'll do it. We'll be glad to see an audience of someone of greater power, but we'll say that to God. But here's the thing. Someone actually says this to Jesus and he entertains that question. I'm going to show you what this person says is from John 14. So his own disciple says this to Jesus after Jesus uh, told them and taught them. Philip said, Lord, well, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And this Jesus' replied, Don't you know me, Philip? Even I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In verse 11, this is the point he brings out here. Believe me when I say I'm in mean the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus says, look at his miracles and his works, and you know that he is God, because his words have the same power as God's word. So if you want to know God, the best way is not to seek some mystical experience somewhere, whoever tells you that you can, but to really come to the Bible, to the gospel, to hear and know Jesus. Read what he has done, read what he says, because that's God's way to know Him. And when we do that, we will finally understand why God the Father speaks through God the Son, and why God the Son incarnates fully human and fully divine to our earth, And He comes to save us. Now as Jesus come in human, as a human in order to save us from our sins and bring us to God, This is what the passage goes on in verse 3. He says, He provided purification for sin. Now, what does it mean that God provided, or Christ provided purification for sins? Well, there's these two words that we probably need to explain, right? The first word is purification. The second word is sins. Now, what is sin? Or how does sin occur? Sin occurs when we disobey God's word. Sin occurs... When we choose for ourselves, like Adam and Eve, what is good and evil, our own standards, rather than what God says is good and evil, we sin when we decide, I want to be my own God, to make my own rules, to live my own life. Thanks, no thanks. Sin is when we turn against God to be our own. Even when we say, I don't even talk to God, that is also sin because we do not acknowledge Him. In the Old Testament, when we say sin, we, when we sin, we also become defiled or unclean. And the only way is to purge it off. Is imagine you're at home and someone scoop up some sewage water or toilet water and they pour right into your cup and say, it's for you, man. What will you do with it? Uh, well, maybe we all drink new water, but nevertheless, in your house, you will not drink that. You're going to dump it off and purge it away. So purification is an Old Testament word to say that something that's unclean is being Made clean, something that's defiled is made undefiled and clean. Now, as Jesus comes, he comes to purify us from our sin. But he doesn't come with this water filter to 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 purify us. He used his own blood to clean us. And this is what Hebrews later in chapter ten or the whole New Testament explains that Jesus came, fully man, to live that perfect life we cannot live. And then he put our sins on him, and he died on the cross while giving us His righteousness. So there's this great exchange on the cross where He takes all our sins and pays the price. We take His righteousness and we call God Father. That is what Christmas brought to us. As Billy Graham puts it this way, he says, the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that He might offer up His life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. And this is the heart of Christmas. I want to ask a question. How many of us here are parents or parents-to-be? Yeah, A few. How many of us are here because we had parents? What's up with the rest? Where do they all come from? <laughs> we need to have a word after this. If... <laughs> yeah. So we are either parents or we are, we are here because we are parents. But here's the thing. There will never be a parent who decides that they want to have a baby and be born so that this kid gets abused, to live a good life so that people can smash his head, so that evil man can kill his life. It's, I want to have a kid so that he does that. No parent ever does that. No parent ever have this kind of dream for their kid. But that's Christmas. Christmas is when God says, "I'm going to send my son who created this world, and his creatures are going to nail him on the cross, and he's going to pay for the price that they can't afford. And I'm going to call all of them who turns to Jesus, my children." That's the mission of Christmas. When the words are late tim keller he says this christmas is telling us that we can never get to heaven on our wounds and so god has to come for us that's christmas the question for us will we hear this message of christmas that god has come for us now verse 3 goes on he says this after he had provided purification for sin he said at the right hand of the majesty in heaven now, the good news is this, that Jesus who dies doesn't stay dead. He died for our sins. Death could not hold Him, and He rose from the dead physically. And along with that, the promise that those who trust in Him will also be raised physically on that day. And now He sits at the right hand of God, and we too will be with Him in His kingdom. Is there a better news for, for us than Christmas? Now, dear friends, as we wrap this up today, as we enter into this Christmas season, there are going to be many offers that promise to make your life better. I was in Orchard Rose walking down and I see so many promises, you know, that expensive perfume that made you just as attractive as that lady who is on that, on the advertisement. You know, there are those clothes that are going to make you much more desirable. There are those toys that can fill your emptiness. There are the music and lights that will be musical and romantic. There are the parties and presents that give you that warm, fuzzy feeling that I just had the mince pie yesterday. It did give me some warm, fuzzy feeling, but, but then the calories as well. And all those feel-good movies in the cinema that we want to watch because we just want to forget that there's war out there. We want to feel that there's nice out here. There are plenty of offers for us this Christmas. Some of them are great. We can enjoy it. But let it be so that none of us forget what Christmas really is about it is about God's offer of the ultimate rest the ultimate love the ultimate relationship that we cannot get from anywhere else let it not be forgotten of the birth of Jesus the deep realities of Christmas that God loves us there's no greater love you can get than that of Christmas Christmas is God's greatest plan, His revelation by His Son, the incarnation of His Son, and the salvation offered to us. Will we push through the noise and hear the good news of Christmas? As we close, Christmas reminds us of all of this and of Jesus who came and spoke as God speaks. As I close, I want to share with you two words that Jesus speaks that I find are the most amazing words that's been spoken. And the very reason why christmas was here both of these words when they were spoken there were no miracles but these two words are the miracles that our life clings on the first word is this that jesus when he saw rejected sinners he looked at them and he says your sins are forgiven He didn't see miracles when he said that, but that is the miracle all of us desperately need. And the second words is the very one that he said as he gave out his last breath. And you know that word, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. He came with that mission that his father gave, and it is finished. So as we close this time, as we enjoy Christmas, Let us hear the message of Christmas, that because of Christmas, forgiveness came, and the one who speaks that will fulfill that because it is finished. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that you sent your son, your beloved son, with that one mission, to die for our sins, so that we can belong to you once again. So help us this Christmas as we enjoy all the good things, all the great gifts, that we will not forget the giver, and we will not forget the Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. It's now time to discuss what we've learned. Uh, Here are the questions to help us reflect on the message. Question: The first one. How do you plan to celebrate Christmas? What is the most crucial during Christmas? The second question, how has God spoken to us by Jesus? So let's spend the next five minutes discussing these two questions uh, with our neighbours. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.